to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 Underworlds curious folks now converted to regular players. I'm your co-host, Davey, and uh, with with me uh, today is my uh, Tanned by the Italian Sun co-host, uh, Brian. How are you? What's up? What's up? How's it going? And uh, nursing a dog back to health co-host, uh, Skylar. How are you? <laughs> doing well and thankfully i can say so is Rhea, my dog oh good uh yeah the cone of shame is a is a real trial and tribulation for uh for any dog so hopefully that's not on too much longer a word uh, <laughs> off the off this weekend uh theoretically okay <laughs> and that is uh not early enough for her <laughs> um Awesome. Well, we are recording for your context. We're recording on the 25th of September. Uh, we are eagerly anticipating Death Gorge, hopefully coming down. We got that preview. Um, I know you guys are hyped uh, with good reason. I'm hyped. So, uh, But we were looking at what uh, what to do in the meantime. And uh, what we uh, we were kicking around a few ideas and Brian came up with one that we want to run with. So, Brian, you want to you wanna talk about kind of the the thesis of today's episode? Yeah, so this is going to be kind of a crash course of if you've heard of Underworlds or you've seen the cool models that always come out for Underworlds, uh, we're going to try and give you an idea of what the game is, what is a Death Gorge, and how the game operates, uh, kind of what you can expect. Just uh, really break it down for any layman, just uh, trying to figure out what this game is and what it's going to look like if they get into it. Yeah. Um, so we'll be breaking down what the game is, the setting, what you need to get started and what living with the game actually looks like realistically. Yeah. And if you're somebody who does not have these questions because you've been playing for a long time, we thought this would make a good sort of uh, tool. We, we, uh, one of the things that we really try to do is kind of grow that community. What we'd like to do is give something, you know, give, give those uh, community leaders out there something they can put in their back pocket and uh, toss out like, Hey, interested, like check out, what the heck's episode 115 or yeah. uh, check out we'll have, we'll have a couple of things um uh resources sure. and and that sort of thing so share um, that link around yeah exactly uh pass it pass it on to somebody who uh might be interested and you can uh they can give it a listen to figure out what it means so let us speak and pitch for you <laughs> right uh so uh, that said, you may be listening to this. You may have received this episode from somebody who thinks you might like the game. Uh, so we are going to lead off with community shout outs. And that, that kind of comes back to this idea of like the community in this game being really important. Uh, and this is where we kind of highlight some things that uh, are not things that we create, but other other creators, other other members of the community have uh, worked on and that we want to highlight. Um, for me, and this is a, this is a little bit more... Uh, deep content, maybe not beginner stuff, but, uh, I, I couldn't let it go by cause I love the article so much. Uh, path to glory. Uh, I think bacon board led this article. It was a breakdown of the, uh, void curse thralls deck, man. It was just a plus content. I really enjoyed reading it. Uh, the only thing that I felt disappointed about is it is got more of the void cursed, uh, tricks out and about uh, more of the breakdown. Cause, uh, I, I don't think it's really flying under the radar, uh, anymore, but, it was, uh, I've really enjoyed using it a lot with all kinds of different, uh, different war bands. It's been one of my favorite things in the uh, current meta lately. And, uh, he, he breaks it down in a really great way. Love that deck. Yeah. Anybody else got something they want to shout at community wise? Yeah, I'll jump in here with, uh, the official christening of a new website, 
Uh, this is we, we've shouted out Fish Mode in the past, uh, who is somebody that is hell bent on building this community, and uh, he has a website dedicated to it. Previously, a blog, but now uh, a proper domain, uh, spentglory.com. And there are multiple articles out there for anybody getting started. So it's a really good shout out for this episode. Um, and most recently, uh, he's added a wow, he's been writing quite a bit. Actually, <laughs> it is impressive. there are five entries uh, just in September alone so far. Um, but most recently, uh, can I use this old war band, a beginner's guide to the Harrow Deep season? So if you have questions about um, bringing war bands from Harrow Deep into the game today, that article exists for you, as well as ones for all of the seasons prior to Harrow Deep. And a new entry in what he's calling the Contender series. Uh, the latest one is on deck building and Gambit specifically, but the Contender series explores um, all the different elements of like improving uh, your skills with the game, uh, hence contender, right? Is right. Um, you you've kind of got uh, you know your sea legs, and you're trying to figure out how to become um, you know best mate on the ship. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where to take sea legs. <laughs> <laughs> trying to take the helm, exactly. Um, so uh, spentglory.com can't shout it out enough. Um, happy to see uh, a new domain. Um, or an official domain, so yeah. it's no longer just uh, on a blog. It's a nice, nice, fresh coat of official paint. Yeah, congratulations! I hope you smashed a big bottle of champagne over your computer screen to uh, really uh, get it get it uh, christened in like a, a ship setting out for for the open sea. Just to continue Skylar's nautical metaphors. <laughs> Skylar, have you been on a boat? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <Question mark>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next section is uh, what the heck is going on with you? Uh, I am going to just say that I've been uh, continuing to play in league, been really enjoying it uh, and been enjoying playing, uh, playing some matchups with my son still. So we got to bust out some old thing. We had like a claw pack versus Magor's battle, which was kind of amazing. It was down to like, uh, Zarkus and I think Kin Whisper were just staring at each other, um, trying to figure out who was going to kill who at the very end. So very fun, very murderous game. It was. It was. Uh, yeah, all all uh, everyone was going down. So um, I think at one point, uh, Emmett was. I said, "Well, I know you're going to get at least three glory for collateral damage." He's like, "Well, four people aren't dead yet," and I was like, "Oh, it, they will be." Like, just wait a little bit. It's going to happen. So patience, young one. Yeah, exactly. Skyler, what about you? I promised our listeners that the next time they heard from us, I would have a date for the Mad Town Throwdown Q4, mm. and that date is Saturday, November 11th. All right. We'll be at Noble Knight Games in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. We'll be playing Nemesis in best of three format. And as of the posting of this episode, we have a page built out for the event as well. So uh, that'll be included in the show notes. All right. A little, uh, little Veterans Day uh, battle there. So uh, awesome. Looking forward to that. Guys, I just heard about the Russians running an event that was it was Nemesis Alliance format. Uh, huh. So it was, or it was like a, a Nemesis team format. So you could your team was three warbands, and then you uh, you had to pick three different 
uh, three different decks to pair them with. I was like, I see. Hmm, that that might be the way we get our team event off because it's it's logistically difficult. Uh, otherwise, yeah. but that that's something that uh, reduces the barrier a little bit. And boy, have I been wanting to do a team event for a while now. So, yeah, watch Word. this. Watch this space. Noted. <laughs> uh, Brian, what about you? Anything going on with you? Uh, having listened to the Nova recap episode, I wish I could have been a part of it, but I <laughs> went straight from Nova to Europe uh, for my honeymoon. So me and my wife had a blast uh, going around Venice and cruising around the Mediterranean. Uh, but would have loved to have been on that episode, but it was wonderful getting to listen to you guys do all the work and uh, <laughs> also listening to the battle mallet guys and their breakdown. Um, it was a great time. Uh, so love Nova. I'm having a few beers out of my Nova Stein as <laughs> piece of awesome swag I got from the con. Uh, yeah, that's been what's up with me. Just got back, hit the ground running straight back into work. Uh, so finally got done with my work weekend and now can kind of enjoy and take all the experiences in and all the fun interactions that we've had. So, all right. Yeah. Well, that kind of covers us. Let's uh, let's head towards that main topic. This is our Underworlds Crash Course. This is, uh, if you know nothing or very little about Underworlds, this is how you're going to get started. Um, so Brian, Brian kind of had the brainchild for this, so we're going to kind of pass the reins to him. Uh, Brian, you want to... Uh, I, I should also say, like, some of the inspiration for this, and I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we've kind of had an influx of folks on the Discord I mentioned in the last episode, and some of those are, are brand-new players. It's been really exciting. It's really awesome to see that energy that those new folks bring. They're so excited about getting to, getting that first game in. And here I'm thinking of, I think uh, we said your dad, Squig, um, recently got his first game in, and... And Jake was uh, getting ready. It looked like uh, some uh, Skittershanks claw pack was hitting the painting table. So uh, there's uh, there's been some others too, but just uh, seeing those new folks all fired up and ready to play, we're like, all right, how do we get more of these? So yeah, there's uh, with Warhammer in general. There's uh, Underworlds kind of has its own niche within warhammer uh and there's a bunch of questions from outsiders looking in and i realized how little underworlds can kind of speak for itself and uh the just like warhammer community uh the online website and resource for articles for everything warhammer uh sometimes fall short of getting the full message and understanding across because it has a dedicated fan base that we have been playing Davey and Phil both have been playing since Shadespire since it originally came out and a lot of people still are confused they're like I thought this game was called Shadespire uh some of them don't realize that it's Warhammer Underworlds and Shadespire Death Gorge all yada yada is the seasonal name so I figured that there was a lot of general questions among the community and I thought that at the very least we could put out an episode to just be like a crash course in I'm still confused. I'd like to know more because the minis can continue to be incredible. And that gets a lot of people interested, but I don't feel like they've had a good on ramp. Uh, Mm -hmm. So hopefully this episode would provide something like that. Love it. Let's, uh, let's jump to it. Uh, I think, I think one of the first things somebody is going to ask is like, you know, uh, maybe they see the box on the shelf or they say, Hey, what is that game you're playing? Like, we'll, we often are able to answer that question in person, uh, but if you were going to answer that here for somebody, let's talk about what, what is, uh, Underworlds here. 
Yeah, so just to quick briefly cover the corporate side of it. Uh, Games Workshop has several IPs and largely calls them Warhammer. Uh, Warhammer is their own brand of fantasy or sci-fi where they add their own uh, trademark or their own signature level of absurd awesomeness into sci-fi, fantasy, uh, whatever IP that they control. Uh, They do also have Lord of the Rings, so there is kind of a more... Uh, familiar level that they haven't inserted their absurd awesomeness into, uh, but they develop a tabletop game for that as well. Um, everything else, Warhammer falls under two categories, Age of Sigmar or Warhammer 40k. Uh, Warhammer Underworlds takes place under the Age of Sigmar uh, IP and setting. Uh, that is their high fantasy and Warhammer Underworlds, the setting of that is essentially small skirmish battles in confined spaces like the Underworlds uh, of the different realms. And that can take different forms, cave caverns, catacombs, uh, gnarl, bramble, like the roots of different vast forests. And basically it's all that. Warhammer Underworlds, that's the setting, and the game is played within that setting. It's gone through several seasons, starting with Shadespire, which was very much a undead catacomb-type setting, and we find ourselves now heading into Death Gorge. So just in case you've heard any of those names, usually two words combined into some sort of gruesome or fearful underworld-type setting, uh, we are heading into Death Gorge. That is the current season. Previous seasons range from Shadespire, Night Vault, Beast Grave, Dire Chasm, Harrow Deep, Nether Maze, Gnarlwood, and Weird Hollow. Nailed it. <laughs> I was ready to jump in and help you, but you didn't need it. You got it. Woo! All right. So that's the general setting. The game itself, to represent this on the tabletop and what you and your opponent interact with, uh, is a small-scale skirmish game using board, uh, using boards, a team of minis and a deck of cards. Uh, so right now those things kind of help narratively build the setting and what is happening between you and your two war bands in the under underworlds. Um, and I think after I've talked about a lot of the technical aspects, let's take a moment here to talk about kind of what really enthralls us in the game and what kind of uh, got, its hooks into the game or what about the game got its hooks into us. Um, sound good. Yeah, I think so. Like you're asking like what, you know, why would you even want to start? Like, what is it? What, why am I even recommending this game to somebody? Cause obviously I'm, I'm doing a, I've done 115 episodes of a podcast about it. Right. So yeah. What um, makes you passionate about it? Yeah. Uh, Skylar, you, you want to take this first? I don't know. You're the OG. So I kind of start with you. Sure. Uh, so for me, it is, I mean, th- this seems simplistic, but it's, uh, I, I like that it's got great models. I like that a game can be played quickly. Uh, it is, is not the easiest game to learn. There's, I, I play a lot of different board games and, and quite frankly, there is, there's a lot to like absorb here. Uh, but once you've got it, there is so much depth to this game. You know, I've been playing it since it came out and, uh, I've played, I've played a lot. I'm not going to say I've, I've played, there's plenty of people who played more than me, but I, I, you know, I'm, I have played many, many games of this and I, I will come away from games being like, Oh, I, I still have a lot to learn. And, 
man, that is catnip for me. Like a game that has that much depth where you can uh, play again and again and again and feel like you have more to learn and develop and refine uh, is, is pretty awesome. Uh, so that that is a big draw for me. Um, and some of that comes from uh, that deck building aspect that, that you have um, that uh, lets you keep on kind of thinking about it when you're away from the game. Uh, Skylar, what about you? Yeah, for me, it is this amazing marriage of like card game meets board game. Um, and, and for most people, I feel like you could just call this a competitive board game, but that doesn't really get across um, like the deck building that you can do outside uh, of playing. Because most deck or most board games, like the game starts when you all sit down at the table together. Um, and that can be true here. Uh, we can, or we're going to be talking about like the different ways to play Underworlds and Rivals is one of the ways to play this game. And, and it is that uh, like true board game experience. Um, but that's that's not like the ultimate hook for me. The ultimate hook is that I can tailor my deck. Uh, so there's a little bit of the warband that I pick that comes into every game and a little bit of like the play style uh, that I want to lead them through. And so there's a lot of um, personal expression that's available like in deck building as well as then like skill expression when you're actually playing the game. It's not the type of card game where the game is going to play itself based on like your card draw. Hmm. Uh, You're still going to have to like move models around a table and try to like outthink your opponent. And the positional aspect of that married with this like deck building, like really grab me in, uh, especially then um, with these gorgeous models. Like the first thing that I got to see when I sat down to play Underworlds was Skase Wild Hunt. And those are phenomenal uh, models. Some of my favorite to date. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Brian uh, had kind of one of the reasons he thought, let's put this in front of Skylar was because there's no measuring. Mm. So if you're out there going, I don't want to play a Warhammer game because I don't want to use measuring tape. This is this is the one game that they have. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the one living game that they have where it's hexagons uh, and no measuring uh, implements. So you actually don't have to worry about eyeing things or measuring things or bumping things. It's it's right there for you, just like a board game. And He says that like a plus, but really he's broken. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the game has just grabbed me ever since I jumped in and I haven't been able to to, uh, jump out. Uh, I haven't wanted to um, simply because uh, of what Davey was saying is I walk away from most of the games I play um, just delighted uh, in, in what I learned from it and what I took away that I could continue to learn from. Um, you know, whether a game went poorly or not, it, it's really rare that I walk away from the table where I didn't have a good time or didn't feel that um, there, there wasn't anything in, in the takeaway column uh, from that game that I could use going forward. Right. Uh, Brian, if you were going to give your why, why Underworlds pitch... Well, I might go a little long in this one, but uh, I feel like I got a lot to say. Uh, David, did you get into the hobby and uh, miniature tabletop gaming at Underworlds and Shadespire? 
Oh, or did oh, you? No. Oh, no. How yeah, long have no. you been playing Warhammer 4? I was like a 92 or 93. I was a okay. rogue, rogue trader Warhammer 40K was my awesome. on-ramp. So, yeah. So, uh, do the math on how old I am, listeners. It's old. <laughs> well, it's you've been in it longer than I, and I, I wanted to see if I might have caught you. But, uh, <laughs> no, I started this in 2008, and it I approached it purely from a hobby standpoint. Uh, I played plenty of video games, but I often got grounded because I was playing too many video games. <laughs> so the the hobby aspect of this has been fantastic for me because from my point of view, like everybody plays the same games and great games, though they may be uh, video games wise, you don't quite get to put your own personal mark on it like you do with your own miniatures painted and shown across the table. I always prefer the person-to-person interaction of a board game or a war game uh, where you and the person across the table are sharing your time together and both trying to have a good experience out of it and sharing memories and a bunch of banter. And having your own minis makes them your own personal team, uh, especially when you put paint on them. And Warhammer Underworlds really allows you to kind of... Everybody plays this play has the option to play the same war band, um, but the way you build your deck and the way you paint them really personalizes them. It's like, it's like jumping into a same model of fighter craft, but who the pilot is really matters. Um, yeah. and this game proves again and again that the pilot matters most, um, no matter how strong the war band is or weak, uh, the way Davey can slap you with eyes and nine versus, <laughs> you know, some guy just getting into the game playing, you know, the strongest war band still has to learn how to pilot them. Um, and that matters most. And I think that is one of the, the biggest things I need to see in a competitive game for me to really sink my teeth into is that the pilot skill matters most. Uh, and this game, I've played Warhammer since 2008. Um, you can play all kinds of Warhammer games, choose your army roster, but this one you get the fixed warband. So it really is about the pilot skill it kind of reduces what army list choices it is just takes that out it's all about the pilot yeah and and the warbands are so characterful oh absolutely uh, yeah it's like you know these these named characters you know in a unit of like three to nine models so you know you don't have to worry about some sort of sprawl or you know did i get my list just right you know it's like you know for better or for worse this this character's with this character uh, and I can't, I can't change that. I picked, you know, this warband. Yeah. These two uh, are coming along for the ride. For, yeah, for better or worse, Tourash is in your warband. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, for those army, army or uh, war game players uh, like myself, uh, you can still convert the minis. So there's nothing saying that you got to keep them WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. You can still convert them and change them a little bit if you if you're really into the hobby aspect as well. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you're playing a war band that everybody knows. That's that war band. These are the fighters within that war band. How do you pilot them? What I liked hearing from both of you is the first things you guys both reached for was uh, how how you could how you could have your self expression in there. Uh, and Skylar's first thought was, you know, how do I build this deck? How do I show like how do i like to play the game uh deck wise and and brian's first reach was uh i can i can flex some painting i can be creative with how i paint or convert um and and put that on and uh and that those are both like moments you you have great community moments with those where somebody says oh that's really like in skylar's case like you might say 
that was a very interesting card choice, a really cool interaction I didn't see coming. And you're like, yeah, I've worked on that a lot. I really refined that. Or Brian, like you, you'll put your war band down. You're like, oh man, like your FLM is amazing, gorgeous, or, you know, all whatever, whatever the case may be. And it, it's this kind of spark to like interact with somebody um, across the table from you, which is, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, and those interactions where you share that passion uh, really bring the game home for me. Um, but also another key point I think is important about this game is it's also one of the shortest games that GW makes. Yeah. Uh, so you can get those interactions and you can meet more people. Um, you know, I love Warhammer 40k. I consider it my first love in this hobby. Uh, but that takes three to four hours, often more, uh, to play against one person. This game, you can get a game in in as little as 30 minutes, usually goes about an hour. And so you can get multiple games in a night, and that's really valuable as well. And I've met and had stronger relationships uh, because of this game. I think because of that, you get to meet more people and make stronger bonds um, and interaction, I think, is what tabletop wargaming is all about. All right. Well, with that, if that collective uh, verbal love letter didn't do it for you, I don't know what will. But uh, you're dipping your toe in. So, what's the next thing somebody needs to know if they're if they're trying to trying to dip in, trying to see if this is the game for them, or how do I get started? All right. So, I think now we're going to go a bit to, more to the technical aspects, like what is the game, how is it played. Uh, Warhammer typically doesn't involve cards, like a deck of cards. Um, in most of its games. So I've actually heard people say, oh, there's cards in this. I don't want to play a TCG. This is not a TCG or a trading card game. Thinking uh, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic the Gathering, where you blind open packs of cards to try and build your deck from whatever you get randomly. Uh, this is not a TCG. You don't have to randomly buy cards every card pack available for purchase, you can know the contents of that card pack uh, before buying. So you don't have to buy packs again and again and again trying to get specific cards or duplicates. They don't allow duplicates in the deck either. So you don't even have to buy the same deck again. Um, yeah, that's a good so, point. And, and not being a big TCG player, I, I don't think I always uh, consider that piece. I'd say even more so now as well is uh, it's... it's uh, the game is very a la carte right now. Like yes. what warband do you want and what do you want to match them with? Uh, there's, there's older generations of this game that had their, the universals, like the, the deck building aspect was kind of spread out across a lot of purchases. Um, that only really applies to like the very deepest, deepest level, the championship level play now where you might be buying lots of packs just to get a couple things, or not lots of packs, but buying, buying, the whole spread of the product right. to try and make sure you assemble. But, uh, there's entry points where it makes that you just like, what, what am I interested in? Those are the pieces I'm going to get. We'll dive into that, uh, more later, but, uh, I wanted to get that clear out in front because I have heard the TCG question come up. Yeah. Um, so well, the game is, there is aspects of the game. Like Davey was talking about with the universal card pool for championship. If you're, uh, somebody who used to play or, uh, learned a little bit about the game earlier, things have changed and they've made it, like he said, very a la carte, easy to enter. That's why we want to get this out because death gorge is on the way and death gorge is another entry point for new players. I think that is, makes it really easy for an easy on ramp. What were you going to say, Skylar? Oh, I was going to say it. Even then, 
the warbands um, don't come packaged with cards anymore. Yeah. So if you know you're familiar with how the game used to uh, have a uh, card, a universal card delivery system as kind of like a product model. Um, they used to come, it was like, you got a warband, you got the universal. So if you wanted the warband and you didn't care about the cards, you were getting the cards anyways. If you wanted the cards and you didn't want the warband, you were buying that and, you know, maybe parting out the warband or all of a sudden you had another one in your collection, right? Whereas with that a la carte, uh, as highlighted, uh, you can say, oh, hey, I'm uh, not interested in that particular warband. So that that is a purchase you do not have to make um, unless you're a total completionist who needs to collect this game. <laughs> um, Ill is what the word is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey now, hey. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to call that out that the game absolutely used to pair, you know, these two ideas, the deck building and the war bands. So you were buying everything uh, if you wanted to stay competitive uh, and there's different formats in the game now um, that lighten that load as well. Uh, and they've separated the products to also lighten that load. So there's never been a better time to get into this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another quick note is if you already play Age of Sigmar, uh, all of these warbands are are miniatures that can be played in Age of Sigmar. Some people use them just as replacements or proxies to make a more characterful character within their army, replacing sergeants, etc. Um, but otherwise, Games Workshop themselves puts out rules so that you can play with the warbands from Warhammer Underworlds in Age of Sigmar. You can include them into your army, and they have their own data cards or uh, uh, battle scroll with the army rules on them uh, so you can play with these figures in two different game modes. Love it. Yeah, before we move on, I kind of want to just break down, you know, what what does a game of Underworlds look like? Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so you have two decks when you sit down to play Underworlds. Uh, one 12-card deck. This is your objectives. This is what you're looking to score. Um, so you actually get to tailor your route to scoring in this game. Um, so... Uh, for we were talking about uh, you know trading card games very often they talk about win conditions uh, in those games and you're kind of hunting your win condition down um, or trying to manifest it on the table right you get to like actually plot out your own scoring path in this game and it gets its own deck I think that's um, a really cool thing to point out I one of my favorite board games is Root which is this uh, asymmetric game like a, a sort of I don't know, pinnacle in that design. I think it's a brilliantly designed asymmetric game. This is also asymmetric, but like you said, you get to choose, you know, so in, in that it's kind of predetermined. You get to decide, this is how I'm going to score. This is my route to victory. This is how I'm going to do it, you know? Um, and that's that's really cool uh, aspect of it. Agree. Uh, Root's a great game, by the way. Uh, <laughs> endo- endorse that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you, you, of your two decks, uh, we have the one that's scoring, and then the other one is a 20-card deck uh, that is your tools uh, for the course of the game. Uh, so you get to pick not only how you're going to score, but how you're going to support uh, that scoring. And you'll notice the deck counts are kind of low, You know, 12 in scoring, 20 in tools, and those are minimums. You can go higher than that, but it's a card game, so you want to maintain a low level if you want reliability um but 
one of the things that allows these to be so low, Brian touched on this earlier, is you only bring singles of any card. You're not allowed to bring duplicates. So you don't have to worry about repurchasing anything to make sure you have multiple copies. You don't have to worry about, are my ratios quite right? Do I have like three of this card uh, because I really need it? And then I've got one of this other card because I only need it in niche scenarios. That's not that's not here. Um, so, and when you sit down to play a game, you're going to see... Um, 15 of your tools, unless you do drawing uh, or some abilities, allow you to see it. So you're not going to see all of your 20 cards in most of the games that you sit down to play, uh, which is one of those reasons why you want to keep that deck uh, count lower, uh, is to make sure that what you're seeing is is the cards that you want to see. Um, yeah, and between you uh, is a board, uh, two boards, actually. You both bring a board in this game, and that's one of those moments where, like, this game starts um, having layers to it as soon as you sit down to play because um, there's kind of a mini game, and, like, each board has different, like, launch points that are predetermined. You're not going to be picking your own launch points. You're going to be picking from the launch points um, that are built into the board, and so you'll be like, oh, okay, like I need to hang back this game. You're going to grab a board that has like further back, you know, launch points. Uh, they're called starting hexes in this game. And you two are going to, it's like you're going to put down a board and your opponent's going to put down a board and they're going to get paired up together to create a battlefield. And that's often going to feel just slightly different every game as to like what types of uh kind of like terrain um but hexes uh hex types uh were on your boards and then you're going to deploy your warband um that you've possibly lovingly painted or converted i am one of those people who uh, <laughs> bring gray plastic well thankfully yeah, it's colored I, plastic yeah if i may interject the yeah. uh when when you sit across from your opponent, the narrative is like you, you and your warband is encountering the other warband. So the two boards that you guys match up, and the way you set up those boards is kind of the confines of the catacombs or the underworlds or the tunnels that you two find yourselves in, and you're yeah. duking it out in the hallway. So there's ways to set those boards up. I think most importantly for new listeners or people not familiar, that means that it is not on a giant six by four table or even less instead. And you don't need your own terrain. You get these boards in the core boxes, in the starter sets, etc., And you don't need any terrain. You don't need to build and paint your own terrain. You don't need to go look for any 3d printed or anything like that. You don't need to go off the reservation. It's all within the game and in the starter boxes. Yeah, the starter boxes are fantastic for this game. They they give you everything you need for two play people to like get going. It gives you two boards, gives you dice, two war bands. Um, they even give you two uh, what they call universal rivals decks, which is these um, decks that sit aside from the war bands. Universal in this game means like you can plug it in um, to a war band, and so the boxes that you're buying. Uh, now come with your two warbands and these two universal decks. And you're like, oh, what can I do with these? Well, you can start deck building from them. You can hand one to the person across the table, take one yourself. And all of a sudden, uh, you have 64 cards that you can reduce down to, you know, that minimum of 32 cards. Uh, and you can see uh, wh- how that worked. Um, and like, that's such a light deck building commitment too. 
Um, and there's a whole format built around that. It's called the Nemesis format. Yeah, I think we'll cover the formats a little later. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's essentially three format levels for everybody to play at. Um, but when you get a warband, it comes with its own faction deck. That faction deck is considered a rival's deck. That is the basic entry for deck building. And deck building, I mean none whatsoever. It's just simply those 32 cards that the faction comes with. You could swap it with other rivals decks, but only the faction deck or a universal rivals deck. Exactly. Uh, and that's straight out of the box. Out, out of the box, they give you a faction deck for that warband, as well as the other warband in the starter box with it, and two universal decks. Word. They like to advertise or promote that way of playing. Uh, they have a shuffle and play like logo that they'll they'll print uh, to promote how easy it is to play rivals, that there's no deck building that you can just sit down and start playing a game of underworlds. When you yeah. sit down to play a game of underworlds too, for the first time, uh, we talked about how games kind of range between 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, the first time you sit down to play, it's probably going to take much more than an hour mm-hmm. and that's okay. I would say, do not be discouraged by that. Uh, it, only takes a few games to get the hang of it and all of a sudden that's muscle memory and so the more you you know engage with it the more that you realize like there's this structure that you're operating within and that structure kind of allows the game um, to reduce down because you're learning so much less every time you sit down to play um 30 30 to an hour uh, like is is super reasonable for a game um i would say just you know if you're in a pinch you know, and you're like, oh, I really want to play a game of Underworlds. Like, thirty is really on the low end. So, like, unless unless that game happens to be a blowout, which can happen, um, like, you probably don't have time for that game. Yeah, like, plan plan for an hour and then you know see how long it goes. Yeah, yeah, because when you're learning about all the options you have before you, the game, I think, is epitomized or is a really great example of easy to learn, hard to master. Uh, I think the skill ceiling for this game goes really high. Um, but once you learn, there, there's a ton of options available to you. But I'll, I'll be honest, you dumb it down to a lot of times you're moving or you're attacking or you're doing a combination of that. You have a lot of other options, and that's where knowing exactly what to do at the right moment, that's where the skill ceiling like really goes up. Um, so when you're first learning, you learn a lot of options that you have available to you. But they also provide a playthrough book now that is a recent edition that they've been including into the boxes so that you can walk through an experience and kind of see a whole range of what the game has to offer. I imagine they are not going to be including those in the core boxes. I'd be delighted if I'm wrong, but um, you can for sure count on seeing those in what they call out as a starter set. Um, And a starter set is... Uh, I guess different in the sense that it doesn't come with, so like a core box we mentioned will come with four decks because it's two warbands, a deck for each, and then two universal rivals decks that'll come in those boxes as well. The starter set does not come with those extra two decks. It just comes with your warbands and the warband decks. Still a great place to start because it does come with that play guide. Yeah, and I think an important thing to uh, mention is that when we're talking about what comes in what things, like those those core boxes and the starter sets each come with boards and dice, right? Yeah. Like a standalone warband doesn't, you know, in it. So 
know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll break down the individual packaging later, Uh, but the starter, the starter box from a core box, I think is a good delineation. The starter boxes can typically be found in your general stores, your Walmarts, your Barnes and Noble, um, your kind of like on the shelf casual, um, like they'll be found in the board game section of a regular store. If you go to a dedicated gaming store, that's where you'll probably find the core boxes. Or if you go online, you'll find the core boxes. And by that, we mean this is the seasonal uh, introduction to the game. Uh, you get uh, two warbands, their faction decks, and two universal decks, as well as the current rule book, which will have some of the unique aspects of the realm or the catacombs that we find ourselves in this season that kind of flavors the game for a season. And the season... We'll get into later exactly detailing kind of the roadmap that we are seeing. So, Brian, Skyler was kind of laying out what a game looks like. Uh, we we kind of used we we got excited and jumped off on some other things. But if you were to say like if somebody had no idea what a game of Underworlds looked like, um, if they were to watch it start to finish, what what would you how would you say that game plays out? Yeah, just kind of broad strokes. Uh, this is an alternating activation type game. Uh, Over the course of the game, you will play three rounds, you and your opponent. Within each round, you each take four activations alternating. So I would do uh, an activation with a fighter. And then after that, my opponent would then do their activation with a fighter and back and forth. Four activations each within a round and three rounds total in a game. At the end of that, whoever scored the most glory wins and you can play a best one you can play best of three that's typically how a game goes yeah and uh, the only thing i'd add in there is that uh in between each activation uh is when you get that opportunity to play your uh, cards that you brought those you know 20 tools that i was talking about that you're bringing with you they call them power cards in this game and that's some of the fun of the tempo is like you're activating a a model you know a fighter on your side and then you and your opponent both get a chance to play cards and you both do uh before moving on to the next turn which will be your opponent's turn and then you both after that turn will get chances to play cards again so you're always getting to play cards into uh your opponent's turn as well as into your own turn but you only draw five cards uh, at the beginning of a round and you don't refill naturally during the course of a round. So, you know, with you alternating, there's eight activations in a round. You only have five cards. Where are you going to sell them in? Um, And that's just kind of a fun uh, aspect of the game that I think is worth calling out is is how that card aspect uh, flows in. Yeah, so you do get that satisfying, you've triggered my trap card moment. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. So, uh, with playing the game, they provide us three different formats, three levels of complexity to play the game at. Uh, The game is still played the same. You use the same rules in each of the three formats. All that gets more complex is how complex your decks can be. Uh, So, we've already spoken about rivals. Rivals would just simply be a pre-made deck as sold to you. either your faction deck that comes with the warband, 32 cards uh, that is made for that warband, and or universal cards that are sold in different packs. Um, 
you can just swap the entire deck for another deck, and that is a rival's deck, and you and your opponent play up. Uh, you can play any of the three formats against each other, but if you're playing rivals into a, say, championship format, might be an uphill battle, but that's because championship has a lot more options. Yeah, I would say with, with any uh, of your living games out there, it's better to start out on an even footing, especially if you're both at the same skill level, right? And so that even footing is is what format you're playing. Oh, I'm playing Rivals. I didn't do any deck building. Oh, I'm playing Championship. I spent three hours building this deck. You know, it's like, ooh. Um, and I tuned out all the cards I didn't like. Yeah. Well, I, I think your deck is going to flow a little bit better than mine. Yeah. But, um, so... You know, when you're sitting down, just make sure uh, that you're both coming in uh, at, at the level that you, you're both expecting, uh, even if you're looking for that uphill battle. Yeah. And that's not to say that Rivals decks are bad. Rivals decks are generally a wide range uh, toolbox for you to build off of. Uh, so they might have conflicting, like, build divergences, Um or another way to say that they might have different branches where it's like you could take this warband and run it towards more of a hold objective build, or you can go more in an aggro build. But when you're playing with a rivals deck, you have both of those. They might not synergize totally well, but those are giving you tools to take it further. If you want to build down a specific path, or if you want to better bring those two branches together so that they synergize better, that's how you, with the deck building, you can make that synergy happen either in Nemesis or even further in Championship. I Agreed. hope that makes sense. And with Rivals, so Brian mentioned that you can take a Universal Rivals deck and plug it in. Uh, so what that looks like is you buy the Warband that you've been waiting, or you've been excited to buy. Let's say that's Scavix Pike Pack. Um, and you decide that you want to try out this other deck that's available. Um, so let's say that's Void Cursed uh, Thralls. And what you can do is you literally remove the 32 cards that come with Scavix Plague Pack, but not their fighter cards. Those are extra. Um, those are beyond the 32 cards that are built for them. Their fighter cards you always have to have. So you grab those, you grab their models, and then you grab the Void Curse Thralls deck, which is 32 cards. And there you go. You're now playing Rivals still. You're just playing with the, the Scavix Plague Pack fighters and the Void Crash void cursed thralls deck whereas normally you'd probably be playing the uh scavix plague pack fighters and scavix plague pack deck does that make sense yeah yeah uh, so that that's where like your variety kind of comes in in rivals but skyler it, what if i want both <laughs> if you want both excellent uh so that is the most popular format of the game that is called nemesis uh, as touched on earlier, Nemesis allows you to take one Warband deck, always one Warband deck, and one 32-card Universal's Rivals deck, and then you can um, take that card pool, usually around 64 cards, uh, and cut that down uh, as, as far as you want to make sure that you're still within your deck building um, minimum of 32 cards, and... There, there's a couple other deck building limitations there, but I, I won't get too into the weeds. There's, yeah, uh, in this game, you have to match, like, in your tools, like, you can't have more gambits than upgrades, which, uh, for my Magic the Gathering players out there, gambits are going to be your sorceries and 
uh, instance, uh, and upgrades are going to be your equipments. Um, since there's no resource costs in this game for um, your gambits, they don't want to have a whole deck on your side full of gambits. They want you to have to have some cards that cost you a resource. Um, so that uh, <laughs> that is getting into the weeds a little bit, but... Um, that's what your your power deck can do for you is you've got um, these cards in there that can be played without the cost of something and these cards in there that can be attached to somebody, a fighter, upgrading them um, to make them a better fighter going forward, to give them uh, an equipment, to give them a weapon. Yeah, that's a permanent change instead of a one-time use. That's a that can be huge, even more. That can be bigger than a ploy or a gambit uh, in this game. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I guess it's worth saying that we didn't mention it earlier, but that resource you're talking about, you're essentially your it's so it's called a glory, but your glory uh, is your victory points, but it's also your resource. So yeah, it's not like mana. You're not trying to throw out lands in order to fuel your engine. Instead, you just need to get glory on the board. You need to do something successfully. And, and that construct it means that the game inherently has a potential snowball effect where like you as you gain victory points you gain a resource and as you gain that resource you gain the capability of getting more victory points so finding a way to get that engine going is is a really crucial aspect of of this game agree and there are a couple ways to get glory in this game this kind of circles back to you know what does playing a game look like either a it's through the uh 12 cards that you designed uh, that's going to be your scoring pass uh, path. And by designed, I just mean uh, the cards that you brought with you. Even if this was rivals, there's 12 cards waiting for you there um, that are going to help you score. And some of them are called surges. Those will score instantly. So you're trying to do this thing in the like current board state uh, and you're trying to affect it in such a way that where you, you meet this condition on the card in front of you, you're like, um, can I can I make this thing happen? Can I stand in this spot? Can I push somebody into another spot? Can I kill somebody? Uh, if I can do that, this card will go off for me and I'll get glory. So um, the game rewards you for interacting with it. And then that reward can assist you further, further into the game. Um, so snowball speed boost. <laughs> indeed uh and if you're ever like ah, i can't score any of these cards don't worry just kill one of their fighters that's that's the other way in this game to get glory so uh it's pretty pretty limited to the cards that you brought uh are going to define how you're going to get glory uh but uh every model the enemy fighter or the enemy opponent <laughs> enemy <laughs> when you get into this game you'll see the words enemy fighter quite a bit <laughs> enemy warband that's who you're trying to take down. That's Brian sitting across the table from me. Hello, Brian. What? <laughs> what? I'm taking your fighters down. No. Uh, but okay. So to circle back to to Nemesis, yes, there's some deck building restrictions um, as to like how to tailor your deck because um, there's safety rails uh, built in. They don't want you to have those things that I call said that you know can get you instant glory if you score them. You're only allowed six of them in your deck. Period. And that. Um, so if you're building a um, objective deck is what they call this, your scoring path, then you want to keep that as low to 12 as possible because you're only ever going to get six surges uh, and you want to see those. So if you continue to flood your deck with not surges that will get you instant glory, then you're probably not going to see them. 
So you'll kind of deck build down to 12 there. Um, And same is true on the other side where it's like um, you can bring as many or fewer cards that are one-time play at no cost as you bring cards that cost you something, those upgrades. So so there's a little bit of balance uh, in the deck building. So just uh, look those up. Uh, they're out there on the Warhammer community website. They've done a great job of um, sectioning off um, game. <laughs> sectioning off isn't the right word I'm looking for here. But I, personally, as somebody who came into this game at one point, uh, it was hard to find what we're talking about. Like it used to be difficult to hunt down the deck building rules for a format. And it's no longer the case um, because they've just done such a great job of if I go to the Warhammer community website and I go to downloads, I can, I can click on underworlds and I'll get all of it. I don't have to like find the right button uh, that brings me to a specific couple of documents for underworlds. They're all in, in one place. So the nemesis deck building rules are there. Uh, any rules that pertain to rivals also there. Um, but Nemesis is just the, this wildly awesome format uh, that I think if I had to highlight one thing about it um, that it does really, really well is because you just need one Warband and one Universal Rivals deck, you become like competitive off of just that. Um, and once you've decided for yourself, this is what my deck looks like. Like I've I've done the, I've sat down and I've spent some time taking these sixty four cards and reducing them down to the deck that I want. Um, once that's solved for you, once you're happy with that deck and you're like I don't want to make any more adjustments, um, you can just have that, and that will continue to be good for you for a long time. So that kind of sums up like nemesis. Uh, and I think one thing that we've seen particularly with that is like how, uh, how much more approachable, like how this tier thing with, uh, rivals and then nemesis and then championship is, uh, but we talk about that tier and then we go to championship. Uh, and then what is championship? So, um, Davey, I just want to have all the good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) That's championship. Uh, uh, championship is the is the most detailed and most uh, most involved level of the deck building. You have the widest card pool. Um, there are you have to know like a certain things. You can only have they, they have a restricted list, which is you can only have three things off the restricted list. Uh, and there's a lot more rules to it, and uh, but there's a lot more breadth there, and so. There, you know, Skylar talked early on about the uh, expressing your individuality or express well, sort of the, the individual expression of deck building. And this is where it shows at its most. You know, there, there's a, there is a lot of deck building with Nemesis, and we've talked about that some. Uh, but it uh, championship is really where that takes off. Nemesis is a relatively young format compared to. Um, compared to championship, which was the default way of playing for a long time. And they realized that it was kind of prohibitive to new folks, like perhaps yourself listener. Uh, having said that with those formats, uh, I think a, another question people often have is, Hey, I'm jumping into this game. Uh, if I'm picking up these cards, are they good forever? Or are they not like that? There is some rotation just like with anything, you know, like, um, uh, Skylar, you're more familiar with magic than I am. So maybe you can draw a parallel that I'm, I'm not able to reach for. 
uh, it's been a minute since I've been in tune with. Uh... <laughs> All right. So one of the ways that the game uh, has its own hygiene system is it will rotate out cards after they've been in circulation for two years. After two years, they've made uh, changes, iterations. They've uh, uh, standardized the language so that everything's coherent. And in order to get rid of old cards that don't fit with that new standardization or the, uh, you know, if, if the new build or they realize something was too strong, like it only sticks around for two years. Um, so that way those things rotate out, they go into your deck box. Those are still accessible through something called relic, which is a very niche type game mode, but it is still accessible. You don't actually tear the cards up and throw them away. You can still use them for other things. Uh, but for competitive play, they do rotate cards out every two years after they've been in cycle. That that basically means that if, I mean, I think what's important to know is like if you buy, if you pick up a warband, uh, the warband in that card, the, that set of cards are good for, as far as we know, they're good forever, right? Like we've never seen a warband rotate. Right. The faction decks do not apply here. Uh, the faction decks, if you're playing a Shadespire warband season one back in 2017, if you still have your Steelheart's Champions uh, faction deck, those are still viable, still legal right now. A Steelheart represent? <laughs> yeah. Uh, those faction decks will always be evergreen. They will stay uh, they may have made erratas or changes uh, to some of the cards, but that's all covered in their documents uh, for free download PDFs uh, just because sometimes they add new words or new keywords to things as the game progresses. Um, but you always, uh, if there's an old warband that you bought years ago and you're looking at bringing them back because they love them, they're still viable. They're still good. So something we've also seen recently, previously, seasons would be a whole year. Um, and while that was cool for continuity, uh, one thing that kind of was a tough pill to swallow is when uh, Beesgrave came out, Shadespire got rotated out, or you know the uh, when Direchasm came out, Night Vault rotated out. And throwing an entire year's worth of cards that you had collected into your long-term storage bin was kind of a tough pill to swallow. Also, the card pool for the season kind of drastically went down while the new season started building out the roster again. Uh, so as a change to that, currently we live in a system where it's a six-month season. Death Gorge coming out sometime typically in October is where we see most of these seasons release. Uh, will be the latest season, and that'll run for six months until spring, summer of next year, 2024. Yeah. So the first four years of this game, a season looked like a core box with two warbands and then six uh, standalone warbands and universal spread out across all those warband things. Um, we have transitioned to our current situation, which is appears to be uh, a season is, like you said, six months, which is a core box, uh, that's two warbands and two Universal Rivals decks, and then two standalone warbands and two standalone Rivals decks. Yeah, so buying a core box, in this case Death Gorge, you basically have half of the season already purchased. 
and I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It also gives you within that box like tons of iterations to play. And then from then on, you can kind of pick and choose a la carte what you want out of the rest of the season. If you feel like you need it for competitive play or you just got to have it. With new boxes, starting seasons every six months, it creates these awesome on-ramps for players because, you know, if somebody's joining the game, you don't have to point back at a box that released almost a year ago and say, like, if you pick that up now then you know it's it's only going to be good for like another year um you know you're not gonna it it used to be this weird thing where it was like um so like let's say for example i was coming back in or i was playing uh beast grave dire chasm uh time period uh how this used to look is like let's say somebody uh, came to my local scene you know during dire chasm and they really wanted to pick up beast grave people would discourage them from picking up beast grave uh, because, and, and for good reason, um, they'd say like, Hey, if you, if you pick up that box, we're almost done with Diarchasm, which means Beast Grave will have been out for two years. Um, that, that box is going to go away. Um, but they only had those two boxes to pick from as kind of like their on-ramps. Whereas like now with on-ramps every six months, um, like they just last, uh, each individually, what feels like so much longer because <laughs> I can just say like, oh, hey, you know, Death Gorge just came out. Um, so like that's going to be good for two years. But like if you go one back um, to uh, Weird Hollow and you want to pick that up, that'll be good for a year and a half yet. You know, so like it's it's nice to have the increments, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say, instead of um, where you had these like solid years that would just fall out all together all at once, uh, where it was like anything that you bought uh, for like the Beast Grave season in the example I gave, um, when Harrow Deep comes out, like that won't be usable anymore, uh, except for the Warbands and the, and their infaction decks. Um, so I, I just, uh, I really like that less falls out all at once. And so when you're telling somebody, you know, like, here's the product, it's easier to say, like, here's the ones that are going to be sticking around for a while. And even that one far at the back, like, don't worry, like there's only six months there uh, instead of like a full year there that you're missing out on in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we say this as a warning just in case somebody is getting in and they try and buy a bunch of stuff, but they don't know exactly what. We'll be covering those buying guides here shortly, uh, but it is kind of a necessary aspect uh for the hygiene of the game to rotate those old cards out because there's some stuff that comes out that's just... uh you know, not fit for purpose um, and the game evolves and it has been getting better and better. And part of that is having to cycle out some of the old concepts uh, that no longer fit with that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like with anything, like there's certain things, as long as a particular card exists, uh, you have to watch out for interactions with that card. And so in order to permit design room to uh, be available, you have to clear out some of the uh, space. But we've been talking a lot about uh, purchases uh, lately. Like if, if somebody's saying like, hey, I think I want to get in. Uh, how do I do it? Like what's what's uh, what's my out-of-pocket for it? Like what what's the answer to that question? Yeah, so I've uh, taken a look at the Games Workshop's recent prices. These are all going to be in U.S. dollars. If you uh, know the conversion rate or you can look it up Google box uh, just get the conversion rate uh, between your local currency and US dollars yeah um, and, but and I think like what you can take away is like the relative price points here so yeah you know. 
So, uh, one of the things I just wanted to get out here, like I'm a Warhammer player and I believe that Skylar said so as well. This is the cheapest competitive game to get into. Uh, so right away, we're going to break down some of those costs and we can show you just how cheap it can be. Uh, but if you, even if you buy everything to stay competitive or just be a completionist, this is the cheapest competitive game to get into where you can go to some big events some big conventions and play at a competitive level with some other great people around the world. And it is fantastic. And I think it's a great price point. So games workshop, if you're listening, this is an advantage that you're getting. Yeah. Really. <laughs> not, not room to price hike. <laughs> uh, Fair warning, uh, GW does price hike incrementally. Like we've uh, seen some of the prices uh, increase a couple dollars here and there. So like right now, um, some of the prices that I'll describe, you might see if you're listening to this a year or two later, uh, some of these might have crept up a little bit. But um, generally, these Underworlds releases only creep up a few dollars each time when G- Games Workshop does a general price hike on most of their products. Um, which they are known to do. Uh, it's just part of every business and inflation and, you know, whether GW does it too frequently, uh, leave that for some other channels. Um, anyway, so what is this game going to cost me? So a core box, which is what I'll refer to it as uh, the season. So what we can expect Death Gorge to cost, it will be about $95 U.S., the starter set, which is we've explained, is kind of the Barnes and Nobles starting entry game. This is lacking the two Universal Rivals decks, but it's got two warbands, all the dice, all the tokens, the boards, everything you need to play. It's only two warbands and their faction decks. The starter set will cost you $60 US. So for the remainder of the season, all you within a season, you have the core box, you'll have two faction warbands released separately and then two separate universal rivals decks. Each separate warband release is going to cost 42 bucks us and each universal rivals deck released separately will cost $29 currently. Uh, so in a total season, you will see a core box, two warbands, two universal rivals decks, for a total of three or sorry, $237 US for a six month season. So that is if you are a completionist and you want to collect every release for the game going forward. If you get in in Death Gorge and you're like, what is it going to cost for an investment to complete Death Gorge? $237 total. It's cheaper than a lot of Kickstarters out there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, calling out Skyler here. Got him. Got him. Uh, got him. <laughs> so, so if I was to boil this down, because like the way people are going to think about this is like, uh, like I'll, I'll put out these scenarios. So, like, like say you are somebody who is interested in this game, uh, but uh, you and you're just going to play it at home. You you have a. Uh, uh, relative or a friend the two you're just going to play this game try it out uh, what's your what's your entry point here yeah so i would say if you and a friend just want to try the game out starter set will do that's 60 dollars. okay and that'll get you and your friend all the tokens all the boards you need to play and two factions all right and i would if say you would like 
if I think a better price point would be the core box at $95 split between two people. That's like 47 bucks each that gets you two factions again, but also two rivals decks. This will allow you a lot more variance of play between you and your friend. Uh, and I think it's a much better price point. That that's the that's the game, and then room to kind of expand the level at which you play. Skyler, what were you gonna say? Oh, exactly what he said. He yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Uh, let's say that you're part of a community. Uh, you already know that there's some locals who play. You're looking to just like dip in, uh, but uh, you don't you don't really need the boards and dice because those can be provided for you. Like, what's how do you how do you jump on at at that point? So if you see a warband that's uh, currently available from GW that you're just like, that's the warband, that's mine, that's what I want to rep, that's a team, the banner I want to bear, uh, 42 bucks. Mm. If you and- can if you can get that warband and bring it to your local community, if you got a community like ours nearby that has boards and people are eager to get new people in, we have a plethora of boards and tokens that we can offer and help uh, somebody fill that gap. $42, you bring your faction, you bring your the rivals deck that comes with them, show up, you're playing the game. Yeah. One of the things that we uh, talked about earlier was this sort of a la carte system, and it, it is more present than it ever was before. Um, it, it is important to know that there are certain warbands and decks that are only present in a core box. So if you want to, you know, like if the, if the universal deck or the warband you want is in that core box, the only way you can get at it is uh, through that core set, which as you mentioned is like pretty great value for, you know, if, if those were all priced individually, then it, it works out pretty well, but it's, it's just, it's, it's just something it's to also, be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. It's also where the rule book is. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so where, how you jump on depends on like what your community looks like. Um, I just want to make a quick uh, call out. The rule book is nothing intimidating. It's a uh, soft, softback, a uh, little paper pamphlet. It is not a hard cover rule book tome that you can whack somebody with. Uh, and a lot of that is just kind of explaining a bunch of options and scenarios in there. So it's a very easy to digest rule book. Yeah. And it's also available online. So if you happen to yeah. be uh, somebody who's like, just going to do that single warband thing, all I want to do like, I think these plague rats look awesome. I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to see what I can do with them. Uh, but I want to make sure I can figure out the rules. Well, those are available to you without having to get into the, the core, uh, the core set or the starter set. Totally it is, free. It is on warhammerunderworlds.com. Yeah. It is also much harder to digitally whack somebody with a rule book. <laughs> uh, so that's how you, that's how you jump in. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to point out, though, if uh, you've already got a warband, uh, so you say you've got an older warband um, that you just, you know, live or die, uh, they haven't come out with a new iteration that has captured you quite as much because they do kind of reiterate on different factions. So you might see a new thing that just really gets like really encapsulates another characterful aspect of a faction. Um, but if you've got your warband already picked out and you're just like, I just need cards to fuel what I'm going to do as the pilot of this warband. Uh, so what does the price point look like? If you want to stay in the game, be competitive, and you just need the cards. Uh, the total cost for that would be a, the core box and the two Universal Rivals decks that are sold a la carte, bringing the total upkeep per season, six-month season, at $153. And that's, so that's, that's for somebody who's like, I 
play chosen axes and only chosen axes <laughs> what up wath lab or uh i'm a i'm a uh blade coven stan lethenum yep uh you can you can endlessly like figure out other ways like that'll get you your boards your uh your tokens your your decks your options for continuing to like kind of mess with that particular warband that you find yeah. your favorite for a hundred yeah Go ahead. for a hundred and fifty dollars every six months you can be like there there is no higher amount of money that you would need to spend to be in competitive right like and that's if, getting, that's getting you all the cards for championship that's getting you all of the different because uh, they come out in their you know own universal decks uh, which is a, something that i think we kind of glossed over is that like all of the universal cards that you're using these days um are housed always in these universal rivals decks now um, which is awesome uh so like as you're buying these you're you're giving yourself options for both the nemesis format as well as the championship format yeah and if you even want to be more scrupulous you could even look at the decks online and decide whether or not you actually need that deck in particular are you only going to need one card out of it like eh, maybe it's not worth it to you so you could reduce that cost further maybe it's the a la carte decks that you don't necessarily need especially if you're just playing nemesis uh but you you can really bring this price point down even further if you if you yeah. uh, need to realize that there's a, a universal deck that just sort of incompatible with your warband. Uh, yeah, I think a worthy caveat here while we're just kind of wrapping up the sort of pricing thing is that uh, there's there's certain warbands that were released. They were clearly like a Warhammer Underworlds warband, uh, but then they wanted to make those models available for Age of Sigmar. Uh, it is possible to end up with just the models from something. Uh, and so if you're about to make a purchase, just make sure that if it's a warband you want to play in this game, that it also includes the cards or you have a way to find those cards elsewhere. Yeah, you might look on eBay for a warband. Uh, if you look on the Games Workshop site, it generally uh, when a season rotates out, uh, the Games Workshop's no longer producing the cards for that either. Uh, they will still always produce the models because those models have rules in Age of Sigmar. And so the models will still be available individually from Games Workshop at times. Um, so if you're looking online for an old warband that you are a diehard for, uh, just make sure that the seller is including the cards in that sale. Um, you might be paying you know, out of production cost uh so also make sure that it is a warband that you're committed to that you're willing to pay that price for um it's something that unfortunately the game has 50 some warbands at this point and games workshop uh keeps the two current years in production um and sometimes they repackage those things like the rivals of nether maze is the uh two warbands from nether maze just for their faction decks and the models, uh, but not the universal decks that were with them. Uh, so just be cognizant of that. Um, I personally would recommend anybody getting into the game right now, start at Death Gorge and buy on from there. Don't try and go backwards, unless it's a warband that you really have a love for right now that's currently available from G Games Workshop. Just be cautious of eBay. Duly noted. So... I think that is starting to wrap us up. What uh, what other things do you want to hit before we kind of close things out here? 
something that might happen is maybe you are the only person to be playing in the area. Uh, we hope that this might be a resource for you to help get people in, uh, you know, share that link around and pitch that help up or let us help you pitch the game to people and get your community started locally. Um, but for some people, they might be too remote, uh, might just not be an option. Um, so what are what are the options for somebody if they don't have a community around them or they're just too remote, they don't have uh, the ability to play this game physically in person? Scott, what, what, are, what are our options there? Sure. Uh, there are two ways uh that i'm aware of today that you can play this game online there is a steam game um or i'm not sure if the purchase is limited to the steam storefront it's just if you're a pc gamer out there um you're probably familiar with the steam storefront and there is a um official underworlds video game However, uh, it does not stay current. So if you're looking to stay current with the game, um, this is a bad route um, as it is um, generally like rule sets and releases behind the main game. In fact, uh, that has kept me from spending a lot of time in it. So I couldn't even tell you right now uh, if um, there are continuing releases for that game. Do either of you know? There there are. I think they've actually made it even more approachable. Like it, they used to release uh, war bands and where you'd have to buy each war band individually, which if you're buying the physical copies and they're asking you to buy the digital ones, I wasn't able to keep up with. But I believe they've changed that. There's uh, either sales or... Uh, bundle deals where you can get the whole game and warbands included. It's it's not necessarily that it's uh, behind on the warband releases. They totally have gone in their own order of warband releases. They've got years now of seeing how Underworlds has developed. They're not necessarily going to follow in the same tread and make all the same mistakes and repeat those things. They don't want to just be reliving where the game has been before. They're doing their own kind of timeline uh, so it's almost an alternate universe, alternate universe meta online there, um, which for Skyler has not been appealing. I'd say that if this is your best route to get into the game, it's totally like it's not going to make any difference to you what this meta is compared to what the physical world is playing in the meta right now. Um, I think it is a great game to play because it does a lot of the work for you in the match. A lot of the dice results are snappier and the interaction snappier controlled by the computer kind of a thing and it's all visual really good visuals as well yeah absolutely and if you um want to use that to hone your skills and even like just kind of your understanding of like the game flow and uh you know what's available to you from uh like actions and stuff like that like it's a good place to to learn the basics if nothing else um and available as well uh, online this is so with most games out there um, very often there's especially when there's a dedicated fan community um, there are like non-official versions uh, that are available um, legality pending (laughs) Um, but uh, there are so many games that I've seen come and go where like fans just insist on seeing them you know online and uh, Underworlds is no different. Uh, so there was a tabletop simulator uh, version of the game. Still is, technically. It just um, hasn't received updates in a minute. 
Um, and my understanding is that um, the torch may be being passed um, from you know the original fans that dedicated time and effort um, to get that going um, to s- someone new uh, to keep the tabletop simulator mod uh, a place to play Underworlds online. Uh, again, fan run, uh, not official. Same with a uh, version of the, or it's called Vassal. Um, and the reason I was kind of stumbling there is I was trying to decide if that's like a game system. Um, it's like, it's like a game. Hmm. It's where there is a mod for underworld. So like, you know, from like a technical standpoint, it's like I was firing up tabletop simulator. I then, you know, download underworlds and I play it on tabletop simulator. Same is true of vassal. You download that, then you download the underworlds mod and and get it going there. There we are. Um, (laughs) And uh, that is run by a very dedicated uh, community as well uh, with their own Discord, um, the Vassal Discord. So uh, both are great places to play the game. I'd say Vassal, you know, currently has the advantage of being uh, up to date. Uh, And for reference, the Steam game for Warhammer Underworlds Online is $30 for everything. And they've gone up to Drippers, Wraith Creepers, and Storm of Celestis. Oh, excellent. I didn't realize they were that far along. That's cool. Yeah. I I think this DLC has kind of slowed down, I, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, Vassal is up to date. It is a lot less visual. Um, it is much more of a uh, digital board game um, rather than a video game. But otherwise, has been a great resource, especially in times of strife like the pandemic. So, we've all tried our hand at it at once, one time or another. Um, so, those are your options if you can't get a local community going, or you just need something in between your weekly league. If you manage to get a weekly league going, um, we also have an episode for how to run your own league. If you're trying to get some people to butts and seats come week by week, uh, check out our episode on how to start your own league and you can look at our backlog. We have lots of resources. Uh, check us out. And we also have blog posts detailing new releases, which you can see upcoming ones for stuff like Death Gorge. Or if you want to read back as far as Hexbane Hunters. Yeah. Oh, we shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one of the things that we kind of glossed over that I just want, I want to uh, jump back into is we were kind of talking about like pricing and seasons and formats. Um, I made mention that when you're playing Nemesis uh, in particular, uh, this is a gem that I think Nemesis has in its crown uh, is that a deck can last a very long time. Um, there was a deck that was released. So like, uh, I'm talking a universal rivals deck that became available for purchase like 10 months ago, uh, called fearsome fortress. And not only do I continue to build decks just out of that, uh, and could, so like that was $30 I spent 10 months ago. And that is super relevant still. Um, like I can still deck build with that today and I'll be able to deck build that for like, or for like a year and a couple months yet. Um, so, uh, those purchases like really go a long way. And I had mentioned like, um, you know, if you decide, if you sit down and you deck build and you're like, okay, here's, here's my fearsome fortress deck for me. Um, uh, I have one built with mad mob. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that deck is there 
and continues to be there and like I can go back, grab that off the shelf, toss those cards together um, with the deck list that, you know, I had made, you know, however many months ago, bring that to my local and compete. Uh, And that be relevant, that be legal. Like that's, that's like a totally like uh, casual, uh, easy way to interact with the game uh, while still getting like you at that deck building checked off at one point in time. And like, it, it feels, it feels so good. Like to be able to just like have it done. It's almost like your painted minis. It's like once you get your minis painted, um, then like those are always there and they're always painted. You can always bring those out. Like yeah. once you build, once you build a nemesis deck, there's no reason that like you can't sit on that. Like you can take those cards apart, sure, but like keep the list, uh, and then later be like, oh, I want to revisit that deck. Oh, I don't have to redo the work. I did it once. I yeah. have this deck built. I'm gonna go grab that again bring it and play it because it's still legal for like two years. Yeah. Like for instance, me and my wife, uh, she joins us when I go to the leagues, league nights. Um, and I let her like, she's got her warband, her deck. She has a nemesis deck built and I don't have to try and scrabble cards together or make proxy cards, um, for championship. Uh, Cause she's just rocking a nemesis deck and I'm using a different nemesis deck. So it's been really helpful for sharing a card pool. Yeah. 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 Less, less internal competition there. Yeah. And since we've moved away from the formats uh, topically here, I just kind of wanted to drive them home for you uh, as we're kind of closing out um, uh, of our main topic here is I just wanted to recap with a few words you know, what these three different ways to play this game are. Because we, we talked about them in varying degrees and ran down varying rabbit holes and then kind of talked about, you know, uh, what buying product for each of them looks like and how they live within, you know, these uh, two years of six six month seasons. Um, but to, to kind of summarize it for you, there are three play formats uh, for Underworlds and they're kind of the pillars of Underworlds. There's Rivals, which is no deck building, just shuffle and play. There's Nemesis, which is deck building from two sources. It's your Warband's Rivals deck, which is the cards unique to them, and one Universal Rivals deck. That's it. And then there's Championship. And this is deck building from a product pool uh, comprised of the last four seasons of Underworlds. And this format also includes uh, what they call a Forsaken and Restricted list, which um, if there are powerful cards in the game, this helps limit how many of them you're allowed to bring into a deck. Um, and so that that's kind of your play formats. And I think one of the coolest things about them uh, is that they ramp into each other very naturally. Like when you get somebody into this game and they're playing rivals, if they want more underworlds, if they want to deck build, like there's this very natural thing that we've all witnessed where somebody's like, oh, I don't like these cards in, in my deck and I really wish I could take them out or like... Um, this kind of this interest to like personalize it and, you know, make it your own. Well, that, that leads you to Nemesis where you're deck building from those two sources. And then if you're playing Nemesis regularly, locally, um, or, or online, you know, with the Vassal community or, or however you're interacting with Nemesis, the more Nemesis you play, the more you see of the card pool. So like um, I might be 
bringing fearsome fortress for myself like all the time but i'm playing against toxic terrors i'm playing against void curse thralls i'm playing against tooth and claw these are these are names of these 32 card decks that are out there and then maybe maybe i decide you know what i've had i've had enough fearsome fortress for now i'm going to build a deck with daring delvers um so you start seeing all of these uh decks that contain the card pool the card pool is these decks uh and so then if you decide to go into championship you're already there you've seen all these cards you just now get access to them you have to just build from this entire pool of all these cards you've been seeing yeah i think i think that's really special i i love i love the ramps that are yeah. that are built in yep i i know when when the formats arrived i you know had some concerns and skepticism but i really think it's been a great thing for the game I think we're about at the end. I, I think a nice way to close out would be uh, we'll pass it around the horn here and uh, say if you had a piece of advice for somebody who's just starting out, somebody's gotten through this episode and they're like, I'm in, I'm going to go do it. What piece of advice are you like? What words of wisdom are you going to impart to somebody who's about to start out on their underworld's journey? Uh, Brian, do you want to take one first here? I would say by death gorge or nether maze and just give that a go um basically just give it a try it's a low entry point uh and just i would buy particularly i i would buy death gorge uh just buy the current new thing nether maze is still in a, in rotation uh, but it won't me? be for much longer okay. um or weird hollow or gnarlewood um but i would just I, I particularly have a fondness for Nether Maze, um, but by Death Gorge, the current season, I wouldn't go backwards. Um, there is, you know, a nagging feeling of like, oh, the old stuff, like it's not going to be available for much longer. Uh, if you get into the game with Death Gorge and you just love it, then consider that further. But first, just start with Death Gorge. Um, I personally got into the game at Beastgrave. I bought Beastgrave forward. Uh, I haven't purchased uh, Night Vault or Shadespire stuff. I've um, come across and got a few deals here and there, but I'm not a completionist. I don't have that illness. Mm. It's a good illness to have. Am I right, Skylar? Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm down with the sickness. <laughs> Skylar, what's your advice to uh, somebody who's just starting out? If you're just starting out, I think the best advice I can give you is if you know somebody in the game already um, to start by getting to getting to play with what they have. Um, and but but if you can't start there, if you're just starting out, con somebody else uh, into playing the game with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I think that would be. Um, my number one advice is, you know, just uh, when you set out to play this game, like have somebody in mind uh, that you're going to be able to play it with. Um, and like, if you think you can get them there, you know, pick up the core box, uh, sit down or uh, take, take some time to maybe learn it. Uh, if you know that they're not going to want to stumble through it with you. Um, and so that you can kind of um, be, you know, a, you, you can be the teacher, you know, even, even if that requires you referencing the rule book, I, I don't think that that's problematic. It's there for you. It's a tool. Um, so I, I would say try to get somebody else into the game with you because 
that's where you're going to, I mean, that's what you want to do. Like you, you want to be able to play uh, with another human being uh, in person uh, and bond over this, this great game. Um, but when you, when you set out to do that, you, there are ways that you can make it, you know, easier for that other person. Um, you can split the box with them. You can uh, own the box yourself and hold on to all the components um, and, you know, just have it with you when you're hanging out with them. You can learn the rule book in advance. Um, uh, or if you know that they're the type of person who's going to enjoy stumbling through something like this with you, go for it. Totally. Uh, my, my piece of advice is that uh, one of the great things about this game is there's so much to learn. And so be okay with make, you know, don't, don't get too frustrated if there's mistakes made. Uh, if you are playing with somebody who's at the same skill level as you, then fine. If you are jumping into a, a group of players who are all out, like ex- expect to take your licks early. You know, if they're, if, uh, if people are, are playing all out, you're going to, you're going to take some losses early, but what's awesome is as you, as you kind of move along and develop a, more and more, um, there's just so much to, so much to learn, so much to, develop with this game so many spots to explore and so uh just make sure you enjoy the journey i guess um as you as you learn more about the game yeah the learning curve is uh steep um but you it is also short um steep if you uh, but rewarding right like rewarding yeah. but like yeah short in the in the sense that you'll you'll learn quickly yeah um if you do try and uh start online uh, Vassal is the deep end of the pool. That is where some of the best skilled players around the world uh, congregate. Uh, so don't beat yourself up, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bobby, uh, <laughs> the call out there is he is uh, one of our local players uh, who has been on the podcast now. We just yep. had him on. Um, so shout out Bobby. Uh, and when he started out, he couldn't get enough of this game. Uh, so he found out about Vassal and went and started playing a ton of games there. Um, and he lost a ton of games there. Um, but he kept playing, he kept learning. Um, and we kept telling him you're playing against some of the best players in the world, man. (laughs) Like, um, don't, don't sweat the losses. Uh, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to beat him, you know, like <laughs> I, I love the energy that he brings. I, I told people when we were going to Nova that my goal was to be, uh, in the top eight and he, uh, responded, this is literally a conversation we were having at work, uh, like with, with our colleagues. And he's like, well, if Skylar is expecting you to crack the top eight, then I beat him in practice a bunch. So I'm cr- expecting to crack the top four, apparently. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Just great energy. Um, and you did better than me. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I think that that's to say, like, when you're when you're coming up against experienced players, uh, there's a lot to learn in losing. Uh, so have fun and loss. Like, just enjoy uh, the game uh, and your time playing this game with somebody else. Um, don't don't be so worried about, you know, who's ultimately going to win. Try your best to get there, you know, and, and enjoy that, too. Um, but, uh, every time you sit down to play, one of you is going to lose. So be ready for when it's you. Yeah. Well, all right, gentlemen, is anyone of anything else they want to hit before we depart this episode? Don't think so. Hearing none. I'm going to close this out here. You can get in touch with us anytime. We're on Twitter or I guess X at WHcast. Uh, I am 
working on some other social media routes to maybe uh, promote the cast. We'll see. Uh, email is great for us too. What the hexcast at gmail.com. And even better is the Discord. That's where we're probably the most responsive. Uh, there's a link in the show notes where you can just come on and join. Uh, if you join soon, you might be the 1,000th person to join our Discord, which I don't think you get anything other than uh, Aaron, our, our uh, overlords, uh, Aaron, his, uh, you'll get his eternal gratitude. I don't know. But uh, we love the chat there. Uh, you can check out all our content at themortalrealms.com. If you're not aware, we do a blog there. Uh, every new release we cover card by card there. So if we don't have time on the podcast, uh, we cover it there. Uh, thanks to the Greater Mortal Realms Network for having us on. That's uh, awesome to be part of that. Uh, and then uh, coming up in future episodes, we are still collecting, uh, expecting for rotation, any Harrow Deep era cards that you are going to be happy or sad to see go uh give us your kind of reminiscences of the harrow deep season uh as far as what we're going to cover we have a number of things whenever uh whenever death gorge arrives we're going to be covering that obviously there's a ton to cover there war bands and decks and all that sort of thing uh hopefully we'll be getting at you with some battle reports off of that and uh, we're also gonna uh, take a crack at covering some of the background on that that we are part of a narrative uh, gaming network, as I mentioned, the Mortal Realms, and we'd like to we'd like to make sure we touch on that. So, what exactly that looks like is TBD, but it is coming in one way or the other. Uh, Brian, you kind of had the wheel on this. You got a flavor text quiz for us. I do. Are you guys ready? Yeah, we may need because when these are wide open, we may need a lot of hints. So that's that's me uh, trying to cop out right away. But go ahead. All right. So, fortified by prophecies of success. Warriors will rush forward into the most terrible danger. Wow, is that um, doesn't sound like it's attributed uh, to anyone? So it is not. It is from the most recent card pack, Path of Prophecy. Uh, yeah, that that was that was going to be my contribution. As they say, they said prof. Uh, Brian said prophecy, so it's probably from Paths of Prophecy. Uh, Skylar, it's all various, you from there. Various dudes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that is it the free move cool. one? I, I'll, I'll give you uh, I'll give you a hint that there is a uh, oh what's it grass rack on the front on the art. Uh, I am am I remembering what I can't remember what the art is on that uh, move gambit. Um, the uh, what is that? It's a it's like a free move or something like that. It is. Is it is that one? Yep. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna get there. Oh, it you is, nailed it. Yeah. It's not the push. Because I was like... You've got this. Slinking in there? No. Uh, shoot. Skyler, do you know that? Can, can you bring it home for me? I'm pretty sure I can. All right. Do it. Is it? Do it. Tread the path. Oh, it is tread the path. It is. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, come with us. Tread yeah. the path. All right. Oh, that's a good nailed one. It. All right. Yeah. That's actually how I was able to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm going to be honest that art is like so chaotic that I couldn't really tell who was in it. So, yeah. uh, it is news to me that that's grass rack. I, I don't know that I'd look close enough. That's not grass yeah, rack. Track the, no, the, uh, what's, uh, Skitter Shank? yeah, it's grass rack. Fellhoof. Oh, uh, the, okay. All I know is How he's is holding some sort of Skeletor wannabe staff. <laughs> you, both, you both disappoint me. Like, <laughs> 
Grash Rex to spoilers. My old, he's, old eyes. He's got a staff over his head, though, right? I'm picturing this right? And it's it like, is Grash Rex. Gosh darn it. There's like right. red red orbs around him? Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm focused on the red orbs. Anyway. All like right. The Havoc staff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we always do is, uh, recommended listening. And for this one, uh, Brian, you've got something here as well. So I've recommended the invitation by Lords of the Trident local band, uh, power metal band from Madison, Wisconsin. Amazing. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for what the heck's I've been Davey. I've been Brian and I've been Skyler. Balance. How do they balance the game? Uh, sure. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to make uh, natural segues. Uh, trying to take the helm. Something, exactly. something, bosun, folksal. Absolutely. Um, so, 